What if I told you that the good life you lead and the greatest dreams you could ever have were like the mere flickering of a candle when compared to the eclipsing magnitude of the sun? You see, all that you are will ever be began with the beat and the rhythm of truth, purpose, and abundant life, reaching far beyond the good you can achieve to the great you can only receive. From a loving Heavenly Father and God who desires to bless you in every facet of your life. So tell me, tell me why would you settle for less when you can have the keys to God's best? So listen closely and hear His word as it speaks of the passion for His children for which His heart beats. Welcome to Forest Hill Church, one church soon to be five campuses. This series is Heartbeats. It's looking at my heartbeat to you on different issues that I get asked about all the time. Obviously, what I can offer you folks is 36 years of marriage, 34 years of leadership, and almost 30 years of being a parent, which is today's topic on parenting. And hopefully, if we could spend 35 minutes together and you ask me all the questions that you're asking me, I'm giving you in this message what I would answer when you ask me those questions. Before we get into the whole parenting discussion, and I have my beloved Marilyn with me today, and I'll intro her in just a second. A couple of quick things. First of all, uh, the Fuente de Vida project that we raised money for a year ago, Christmas Eve offering, um, we have discovered in two years of trying to build that particular endeavor to plant churches throughout the whole Caribbean rim that there's been one obstacle after another obstacle after another obstacle. We've not been able to get the deed. And then finally, within the last couple of months, uh, some corrupt officials in the Dominican Republic suggested that if we greased their palm, they would make this happen. And that's when we said, that's enough. We just won't do that. The integrity of us as leaders will not allow us to do that. So here's what we've decided to do. We've decided to abandon that project, and the money that's been given for the Christmas Eve offering will all be given to Mission India. The donor intent, we think, was church planting in the Caribbean, but... In Mission India's work in India, there are still 400 million people who've never heard the name of Jesus. So we'll devote that several hundred thousand dollar offering to plant churches in the Hindu heartland, places where people have never heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. Two, two quick thoughts. If, first of all, you'd like to have your money returned to you, that's not where you wanted to go to Mission India, you wanted to go to the Caribbean, please let us know and we will refund that money to you. Secondly, this will not keep Forest Hill's work in the Dominican Republic from occurring. We'll continue to devote time, energies, mission trips down there. We're still committed to that area of the world. It's just this project did not work out and we want to be above board with you to tell you that's what happened. Now, today's message is on parenting, and it's appropriate because this message is uh, on tape at all of the campuses. It's recorded on all the campuses. Uh, everybody's getting us recorded. And the reason being that we're practicing what we preach. Um, this week, we are in Auburn, Alabama, at our son Michael's uh, Southeastern Conference Swim Championships, in which he's participating. Then on Saturday night, we're flying to Indiana to be at our son's last home college basketball game at Valparaiso University. And then I'm flying early 
early Sunday morning with Marilyn to Chapel Hill, where at 2 o'clock next Sunday, there is the Dean Smith Memorial in the Dean Dome, and I have been asked by Roy Williams to do the invocation for that event, and of course I'll do that out of honor for my mentor and uh, friend, Coach Dean Smith, who's passed on to go be with our Lord. So today's message is on parenting. We're practicing what we preach. This is my beloved Marilyn, who most of you know. She has been my best friend and my wife for uh, almost 37 years, and we've had a great run. We've had children for almost three decades. We have now three grandchildren. So we want to speak to you today about parenting, the questions we get asked from you about parenting, and we're going to do a different deal. Instead of trying to give you all the different tips, which will be embedded some in the message, we're going to talk about how to raise an extraordinary kid. Because we believe when you find your kid's giftedness and they focus on that giftedness, a lot of the other parenting stuff just falls in line. So we have seven different principles we want to share with you in just a moment. And Marilyn's going to comment on them and I'll ask some questions and comment also. Thank you for being with me. I appreciate it. Glad to be here. And we're almost 30 years as a parent. Can you believe that? That's hard to believe. When we were waiting for children for yeah. so long, yeah. and God finally gave us Bethany yeah. after eight, eight years, years. And, yeah. and then four years of intense waiting where we had right. to pray and seek God, and he yeah. did a miraculous healing in you. That's right. And then <laughs> we have... We had them uh, at 30, 35, and 40, so yeah, you do the math. <laughs> a little older, but that's okay. God has given us the strength to be parents. And we have three great kids, not perfect kids. Not perfect kids. They, they have their own issues, yeah. and we've had to battle through those issues, but they're good kids, and all of them love the Lord, and they're all walking with Him, and they're all moving on in their own giftedness that we discovered yeah. early on. Yeah, and I think, I think the things that we're going to share today really would apply to all children. So let's look at these seven principles that you have mostly come up with mm -hmm. and you have uh, authored, and I think they're profound and powerful. Let's go through each one. Here's the first one uh, for those of us who want to raise extraordinary kids, not average kids, but extraordinary kids. Discover your child's beauty. From Hebrews chapter 11, verse 23, the Bible reads, By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents because they saw that the child was beautiful. That's the key word. And they were not afraid of the king's edict. Marilyn, what does this mean? You know, David, this really is the linchpin to me of the whole focus, I think, that we had as parents. And it's interesting. I read gobs of books on parenting, and really only a few things stuck out, and this is one of them. Um, this, this point was made to me by a book that was written really, I think, in the late 1800s, a 19th century theologian named Andrew Murray, South African guy, wrote a beautiful book. I don't even know if it's still in print. It's called Raising Your Children for Christ. But he's the one that pulled out this verse out of Hebrews 11. And he said, you know, this word for beautiful is used only once in the entire Bible. And it's to describe Moses. And you're thinking, beautiful, well, what does that really mean? Now, just remember for a minute that this little child was only three months old. Um, there was a genocidal mania. The king was, the Pharaoh was trying to kill all the Hebrew babies. And it says that they weren't afraid of the king's edict, the parents, these little Hebrew peasants, but they also saw that Moses was a beautiful child. Now, let me tell you what that word beautiful that's used once means in the, in the Greek. It means um, sophisticated, artistic, refined, and a city dweller. Three months old? Now, how could they see that? And I think that they were given a spiritual insight into that child. Um, Andrew Murray believes that you as a parent, all of you as parents, have the spiritual insight given to you by God to see the beauty in your child that maybe nobody else does. Um, later on, when I did a little more study on this word, 
I realized um, in digging a little bit deeper that it has another meaning, and this is the one I really want to focus on with you, and it means this. The child is beautiful in the sight of God. And friends, that's every child, isn't it? Yeah, every child has every some child beauty in the sight of God. Every child is beautiful in the sight of God. And different, aren't they, every in whatever different. God gives them to be beautiful and in And you guys sight. know that. Who has even two children alike? But I think the point is, and this is what Andrew Murray said, it's one of your jobs as a parent. This was my favorite part, I think, as a parent, to be on this adventure of studying your child. Study your child. Kind of watch them. I mean, from the earliest days on, to find out how God's made this child and help them. You'll have a lifelong process of helping this child unlock that beauty, unlock that um, giftedness. Um, another way that that Greek word was translated was extraordinary. That's why we called it raising extraordinary kids. Not that our kids are extraordinary, but that when you're raising children for God with his wisdom and with his insight, he looks at your child. He sees them as beautiful in his eyes. He's going to allow you to see their beauty, and he wants you to see them as extraordinary. Which leads to the next point that, uh, Marilyn, you've come up with in raising extraordinary kids, and that is grow your child with the grain. Looking at a very famous verse in parenting, mm -hmm. Proverbs 22, 6, but Marilyn's going to give you a different insight into mm -hmm. it. It reads, train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. Now, there's an interesting twist to this that you've discovered through the years. What yeah, is there, it? there's a little twist. You know, you read those verses and you say, okay, we'll raise them up as a Christian. And then hopefully if they wander, they'll come back. And when they're old, they'll stick with the gospel. And I think the point is raise them up. And the Amplified Version says something like this. Train up a child in the way he or she should go. And in keeping with their gift or bent. And then it says this. And even when they're old they'll not depart from it. You know, we don't need to assume that they're going to wander. I think let's assume that they're going to stay on track. But part of the way you raise them with a heart for God is to discern, and this kind of goes along with that point one, their beauty, but discern what their gift or bent is. They're all different. And it's exciting to help a child grow with the grain instead of against it. I'll never forget one of ours, our youngest, happened to be really, really active. And we knew that from in utero, actually. And um, so active. And I remember one of his little preschool teachers said to me, I wonder if your little three-year-old has an authority issue. I was just like, oh, my goodness, he's my most compliant child, but he's just active. So I put him in a situation where he had some Montessori school education as a preschooler, great for kinesthetic learners. But then we funneled him into sports, and my goodness, you know, he's found a way to let that little motor um, take him across water really, really fast, and so was a swimmer, so he paid for college. Yeah, so yeah. it's just with the grain, you know, in keeping with that gift or bent, and spiritual gifts too, I think. We saw one child uh, start throwing uh, balled-up socks into lampshades when he was like <laughs> two years old, and we yeah. went, duh, and, and he's yeah. now a scholarship basketball awardee. Our daughter, we saw a penchant for languages. And beautiful she language had an ability. amazing ability to yeah. grasp languages. And right. so we started putting her in a language immersion program. Right. She learned how to speak Spanish, French and Spanish fluently, yeah. was awarded yeah. the language award in her high school, yeah. and that allowed her to prosper. And, and it's interesting. You know, she did sports, too, and, and really in a fine way. But the, the language was the part that I think just made music for her. But we saw it early on. We saw it early all on. three. And, you know, James Dobson wrote a book called Hide or Seek. And I'll tell you, like I said, I only remember about six or seven things that I read about 
kids with all these parenting books. Here's a second one. And he said this in Hide or Seek. He said, you know, you Christian parents need to realize what your kids are up against when they're out in this world. And they're going to be criticized for being Christians. If they, if they walk with the Lord, they're going to get persecuted some. They're going to be mistreated. They'll be made fun of. And he said, but you can do two things to help vaccinate their self-esteem so that they don't let low self-esteem pull them off the gospel. He said, make sure, and I thought this was kind of cute, make sure you spend a reasonable amount of money on, the, on having decent clothes, nice haircuts, make them physically attractive. You know, with all the, the tricks of the trade that you have today, there's no reason you can't help your child be attractive. You know, nice hairdo, cute clothes. Don't let them feel like they're frumpy, and that's why people don't like them. So, so help them be physically, reasonably physically attractive. Not everybody has to be drop-dead gorgeous or super, super handsome, but just physically attractive, and then help them find a gift or talent to excel in. And if you'll do those two things, you'll help kind of solidify their self-esteem so that their walk with Christ is going to be the area they're going to get hit on. If they're going to get attacked, let it speak for their walk with Christ. So when you have children who are operating in their extraordinary giftedness and moving forward, uh, they don't have time to mess with drugs and alcohol. We get asked that question all the time, yeah. how to keep your kid from drinking and all those other things. And the answer is get them so involved in their giftedness, they're bent, they don't have time for it. And it's whatever their passion is. And they may not excel to the point that everybody in the world hands them awards, but you know what? If they find what they love, that's reward enough. And I think if they're passionate about whatever it is that they love and you help them go in that direction and then you're raising them for the Lord. Um, I always told my kids, good grief, this is the one time in life where you can pursue your dreams and you got somebody else paying the bill. And if you're dumb enough to do drugs or alcohol, I feel sorry for you. I can't help you. <laughs> if you do drugs or alcohol, you're on your own. Which leads to point number three, and that is challenge your child to dream big. One of our favorite verses Psalm 112 verses 1 and 2 blessed are those who fear the Lord who find great delight in his commands their children will be mighty in the land what a great promise their children will be mighty in the land the generation of the upright will be blessed well you know David that principle I think that's a promise that we took for ourselves that's not so much a parenting tip about how to raise your children. But you know what? I took that promise for myself, you know, that if I was going to really seek after the Lord with my whole heart, which I think is a really important parenting tip, as a matter of fact, seek after the Lord with your own heart and fear him and, and try to follow him in every way. It says our children will be mighty in the land. Now, other people might not know that they're mighty, but I'm going to know that they're mighty. And they're going to be um, maybe not outward leaders, but they're not going to be ones who follow the path of least resistance. They're going to be mighty in the land, and I think they'll make an impact on this world. I mean, good grief, this world is in such trouble. It's just as dark as I've ever seen it. And, you know, God needs your children and my children. He needs our children to be world changers in their own way, mighty in the land. Yeah, and it might mean also that we've got to be very engaged with them to keep them on the right track. This doesn't it's mean that we just let energy. them go. We're no. still very involved. I mean, it's like a gardener in a garden it's trying to nurture on. the plants, hands-on, being aware of the growth, the weeds coming in, all those yeah. kind of things. It was high maintenance. It took a lot of time and effort. Um, but I think if you get the first couple of things in place, you know, you see their beauty, you grow them with the grain, then it's 
going to be um, pretty easy to help them dream big. I'll tell you this. Try to um, take special note of what's happening in your child's life around age 9 or 10. Because my experience is some pretty great dreams begin to flourish at about age 9 or 10. Um, and I don't know why that is. Ben Carson, who a lot of you know now, who's in the political circles, um, was a pediatric neurosurgeon, actually the chief of pediatric neurosurgery at Johns Hopkins for years. And he's been on my radar yeah, for he was two one of decades. your heroes long oh, before my he became a potential Republican a presidential absolutely. candidate. Absolutely. He wrote the book Gifted Hands. And I mean, he had me at hello when I read that book because it's everything I believe. Now, he was raised in a situation where you would think this child will have anything but big dreams. Um, the mother uh, tried to commit suicide. Um, he and his brother were pretty much left to their own while she was in the hospital. He was 10 years old. He was flunking. His brother was 12. He was flunking. But their mother, Sonia, had an encounter with Jesus Christ while she was in the hospital. Um, now, let me just tell you what was going on in her life at the time. Her, she just found out her husband had a whole other family. So he had left her for this other family. He'd carried on a double life all these years. She um, got married at age, I think it was 13. This is a pretty long number mm -hmm. of years ago. This was back in the day. But anyway, she was married at 13 or 14, had the two boys, raising them on her own, found out this husband has another family. Um, but the clincher for me is that she was illiterate. She couldn't read. But she accepted Jesus Christ, and she feels like one of the things that he encouraged her to do was to send the two boys, Ben and his brother, to the library every day. She wanted them to go to the library where she was working, and she said this, Benny, when you get home, you and Curtis, you need to write me a one-page paper about the books that you read. Well, slowly, Ben started getting to be a better reader, and he started reading books on science and then realized this was a passion of his. And then one of his school teachers noticed that this ghetto kid being raised in a ghetto school had a penchant for science. And the rest is history. He went on to get a full scholarship to Yale and then Johns Hopkins. And, you know, and he, the brother succeeded too, didn't he? The brother he? succeeded too. And, yeah. and many of you may know of Dr. Carson is the very first pioneer who separated uh, twins that were joined, Siamese twins that were joined at the head. I mean, he's just such a man of distinction. But he began to dream big, and his mother helped him dream big. And the irony is she couldn't read herself. And she couldn't read She was right. illiterate. She <laughs> pretended like she would read Ben's papers. And somebody that knows her told me that Sonia Carson is really the hero of the story. Mm -hmm. But you have to realize that it was what happened when Jesus Christ transformed her heart. And then she started dreaming big dreams for her children, even though they lived in the ghetto. And that she had no resources. I remember I went to my dad when I was young, and I said, Dad, I want to play in the NBA one day. And he said, Son, go for it. He said, shoot for the stars. And he said, and if you only get to the moon, you've never been to the moon before. And that was really wise counsel for me. I got to play professionally in Europe for several years, not the NBA, but I made it to the moon. And that was a pretty wonderful experience. Encourage your kids to, to their dream great dreams. Number four, build a team around your child. Hebrews 10, verses 24 and 25. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. First Thessalonians 5 mm. is another verse. Encourage one another. Yeah. You need teammates who encourage the kids' extraordinary dreams. Oh, my goodness. You know, I think you need encouragement as a parent. Um, I don't know about you folks, but I just think parenting is an extremely humbling job. Um, 
I, I was never like a real super confident parent as I was going along the way, and I was always thinking that I'd messed my kids up. You know, I was very fragile and in need of team support. I, I'm so thankful for people like Lita and Susie and Jenny and Robbie and others in our church. It's a reason helped. to get involved in the church, isn't it? It's a reason it? to get involved in the church. I'll we tell need you what, each other. We couldn't have raised our children without the strength and the nurture of the people in the church that saw all these things in them, and sometimes even things that we couldn't see. We had coaches and teachers that even saw the beauty, if you want to go back to that term, the beauty of our children in ways that we couldn't. It was a very valuable thing. We need team support as parents, I think. So vet those people carefully. One of the things Marilyn and I would tell you, yeah. if there's a teacher who's hurting your child's dream, intervene on their behalf. We only had to do that once in only all of our once. parenting, and but we did do it once for our well, kids. Well, you know what's interesting? Not everybody's going to like your child, right? Um, and that's okay. I mean, there's not everything about your child that's likable, but you want the child to be in an environment where the where the teacher or the coach at least believes in them. And I mean, 99% of the time this is going to happen. In fact, we would always pray proactively every year at the beginning of the school year, Lord, please pick out just the right teacher and coach that's going to see what our child needs. But I'll never forget one of our children's ministers here who said to me once, she said, you know what? Um, there's a lot of choices out there. And I'm just going to encourage you when you're raising your children, Marilyn, if you um, notice that there's a classroom situation where a teacher or a coach just really doesn't like your child, you know, you can just tell they don't like them, they don't believe in them. She said, you have nothing to lose. Get them out. You have another option. And like I said, we didn't have a huge problem, but there was one situation once where we thought, this one's just not going to go where it needs to go. And we moved the child out. But I'll say again, 99% of the of situations were positive. I couldn't have been happier with the teachers and coaches and leaders that were in our children's life. I think a lot of that's probably partly the result of prayer and the result of prayer partners, which is another aspect of team, isn't it? It is. Have indeed. moms and dads that you pray with for your child. Both together asking God to not only let the child exceed uh, and excel, but give the child the great gra grace and blessings the child needs. One other thought on the coach real quickly, mm -hmm. since Coach Smith passed away recently, uh, such a fine mentor in my life, there's no other greater influence on your kids' lives than your coach, uh, than their coach. So please make sure that you give your kids the chance to play under a really good person as a coach. And if you have a child who's a scholarship athlete and is being recruited, Marilyn, I would tell you after having two, the major thing you should look for is a coach who's a good, godly man because everything falls in the line outside of that one. Yeah, and let me say just a thing here about coaching. You know, you're going to, if you're not careful, you're going to hear us say everybody should raise kids to be great athletes. Well, that's not every child's bent. But my, I have a sweet friend that I admire so much, and she has done such a good job with her three children. And I love the way she's approached this whole area of the children's giftedness. She knows, like I do, that we live in a world where children, if left to their own devices, it is just way too easy to be a couch potato. And that's just not good for anybody, us included. So she's mandated that her, all three of her children have to be in a sport. Now, they don't have to excel. In fact, the child that I'm going to tell you about is a super chess player and probably made 1,600 on his SAT. I don't know. I don't even know if they can go high, as high as his intelligence is. He's a great kid. But you know what? He shines in the area of chess. He shines in the academics. He is shining in college. But guess what? She made sure he plays tennis. 
pretty doggone good tennis player. Not great, but good. He played, you know, he was a swimmer in the summer, not year-round, but she just made sure he was active and on teams, and she feels like those team experiences are part of what made him well-rounded. So just, you know, this is not rocket science. Just make sure there's a way. I think every child should have an opportunity with some kind of coach. Number five, serve together with your child. Isaiah 58, 10, if you spend yourselves in behalf of the hungry and satisfy the needs of the oppressed, then your light will rise in the darkness and your night will become like the noonday. Well, you know what? I am partial to this verse, David, as you know. This is one of my life verses. In fact, David, you gave me a bracelet that had this inscribed on it once. Because when all the years of infertility were just grinding me down and my heart was sort of breaking on a daily basis. And we went through eight, really 96 months of infertility if you count what we went through with all three children. I discovered this little magic secret that when you pour your life out to the hurting, somehow your light breaks forth. And eventually I was healed. You know, that's another story. But even in the years before I was or had any assurance that I would be, I found ways to work down among the poor and um, actually even spent quite a long period of time working with girls with crisis pregnancies. Go figure that. Um, but it was just really calming and soothing and made my heart filled with joy. Mm. So we feel like this is something we want to give our children, the joy of serving others. Um, you serve with your children, whether it's here locally or take them on a missions trip. And I'll tell you what, you will have given them one of the greatest gifts of their life. And we believe, too, that if your own child's dream is being thwarted for whatever reason, uh, with your child, go serve somebody else's child who has a dream. And then yeah. amazingly, somehow, some way, God tends to break down barriers yeah. in our child's lives to be able to move them forward toward their dream. Let's move to the next one, too. Yeah. Um, train your child to hear God's voice, John 10, 27. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them, and they follow me. Um, this is really developing the spiritual heart mm -hmm. of the child. And it, interestingly, um, you brought all three of our children to faith in Christ at early ages yeah. while you were driving them to school <laughs> in, in your van. Uh, tell about it. Well, about yeah, that. or preschool or wherever. Yeah, I, I didn't want them to have a testimony like mine. You know, I used to be an atheist. I have a pretty colorful testimony. And I was really hoping and praying that my children would have very calm testimonies. Um, so, uh, you know, uh, you I don't was, have to have a dramatic you conversion. You don't have to have a Christian dramatic faith. conversion. <laughs> but we also knew, and I knew more, you know, when my children came along, obviously, than I knew about myself growing up. But I knew that God honors the, the tiniest little steps of faith that children make. You know, don't think for a minute that a tiny child can't see God. What did Jesus say about children? Let the little children come to me. And unless you're like a child, you cannot inherit the kingdom of heaven. Childlike faith. Absolutely. From the earliest ages. And again, we had a wonderful children's worker here that once said to me, don't you dare take for granted the thought that your child might have a life-changing experience even at the age of three. She said, you start watching what is happening when these children hear the word of God. And if one of your children wants to accept Christ early, well, then you go through that process with them and you lead them to the Lord and then hearken back to that with them. You know, as they get, like, let's say it happens at three, which was one of our children, then go back to that moment with the child and say, remember, honey, when you accepted Jesus in the car, you know, you're careful to explain what it means to be a sinner and what it means to accept Christ. But take that seriously and then realize that the Holy Spirit will begin to nurture them, that the Word of God will water that spirit within them. And we just felt like, you know, grab them when they can. I think one of them actually wasn't in the car. I think, I think one of them was learning how to ride a two-wheeler and he came back after riding around the yard and he was talking to me and he said, well, 
um, Mama, let's talk about Jesus and what does it mean and blah, blah, blah. And he says, well, I think I did that on my bike. <laughs> so, you know, it's just interesting. I think just watch for that moment when they really want to open their heart to the Lord and then reinforce that, yeah, nurture and, and it. I want them to hear God's voice. I would not send my children out into the world because we did do... Um, we did secular schools for our children. We had a lot of debates with people about this, but we figured we are so saturated. We are preachers' families here, and we really wanted them to have an experience where they were sought and light out in the world while under our rooftop. Um, and so I was really careful. I just didn't feel comfortable sending them out until I was pretty sure they could hear God's voice. Yeah, and then we have a joke between us that our two kids that did receive Christ in the car uh, while you were driving them in the van to school. We call that evangelism. Evangelism, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, every big moment, let me tell you, every big moment in my life when it came to conversation with the children seemed to happen in the van. Well, well let's take a quick moment. Those who ask about sex education, yeah. when should you teach your children about sex? And, and you, yeah. again, practiced when the conversation gives you the opportunity. Yeah, you watchful. share with them openly, honestly, and don't ever hold anything back. And the earlier, the better. The you, earlier, We've better. always believed. Well, you know, we had two great missionary friends, Howard and Joanne Brandt, career missionaries to Ethiopia. And they were home on furlough. I guess it's actually when they were living in Charlotte one time. Mm -hmm. Remember Joanne said that. She said, you know what? The kids are getting saturated with so much sex from it's out everywhere. here. It's everywhere. I think the Monica Lewinsky thing was happening. She said, you know what? You just need to be on the proactive with them. And she said, you be ready as early as they ask to give them the information that they're asking for. Not more than they're asking, but exactly what they ask. Well, you know what, friends? If you're watching and listening, they're going to ask. And usually they get some misinformation from some of their friends. So I was very keyed into that. And here's what I would do. I'd kind of make it like, you know, I'd be their ally. And I'd say, well, let me tell you something. Little Little Joey over there didn't quite get it right. You know, he didn't get all the information he needs. So let's talk about really the right way. And this is actually the way it does all work. You know, this is, this is God's beautiful plan. It may sound a little silly at this point because they're really young. You know, it's before they get real self-conscious. It may sound a little funny to you right now. But th trust me, this is God's plan. But I want you to know that you can come to to dad or me for the real scoop, you know, for the real truth on this. And don't go to your friends. And also I would say to them, and don't you tell their, your friends. You let their parents talk to them. But, you know, we will be honest with you. And so we were proactive and, like yeah, that. Yeah, and it's also okay to know what they're watching, be involved Absolutely. in their social media stuff. You have a, a famous phrase that you've used with our kids that, that Bethany now with her kids yes. is <laughs> quoting already independence is, is an, illusion. an illusion until you pay the bills. That's right. Uh, one time she was coming to me squealing because we, we had a curfew of midnight. You know, it wasn't that we didn't trust our kids, but you know what? I don't trust anybody's kids. Nothing good happens after midnight like yeah, your daddy always said. We have said. a curfew at 12 so, for a purpose. And we just was arbitrary, 12 o'clock. Now, other parents that wouldn't set a curfew were sort of glad we did because the parties kind of, or whatever it was that was going on, kind of calmed down earlier. But Bethany was, you know, talking to us about the curfew, and one of her friends was kind of laughing at her saying, oh, your parents aren't letting you be as independent as my parents are. And um, I said to her, I said, Bethany, you know what? As long as I am paying the bills, um, independence is an illusion. And it's so funny because, well, I said to her, the reason it's an illusion is because the consequences fall on, fall on my on shoulders. Yeah. As long as I'm paying mm -hmm. the bills, whatever you do wrong, the consequences fall on my shoulders. So I fu it's funny now I hear her using um, those same words when she's talking to her friends. So Let's independence go to the is last an illusion. One. Okay. Number seven, train yourself to sustain yourself. Hebrews 12, one, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. This is really a word to parents. 
It's a word to parents. It's also a word to families. Um, you know, you are crying out for boundaries. Your children are crying out for boundaries. This world is getting crazier and crazier, and the pace is faster and faster. And we are seeing burnout, David, aren't we? We are. On so like many levels. Seen before. And marriage is burning out, and families burning out. And, and this is for a lot of reasons. Um, when it says throw off what hinders, that doesn't necessarily have to be bad things. It can just be busy things, right? Anything. You know, when it says, get rid of the sin that tangles you up. Well, we know about that. We had to deal with sin with our kids, mm -hmm. didn't we? We have to. We set boundaries. You would say things to them like, that you, what, two questions? Yeah, there are two questions that uh, define our house, two disciplines, two rules. You know, uh, the kids are asking, do you love me and can I have my own way? And, and we go, yes and no. <laughs> yes and no on that. And then we set boundaries uh, upon them, uh, but we only have two rules in our house. That is, yeah. don't disrespect us and don't disobey us. Now, we're the arbiters of what yeah. disrespect and disobedience right. are, but we're the ones who set those rules. And we have the rules. Our grace-based home defines us. We pour grace and love on those kids. Yeah. But there are boundaries, and when they step over them, there are consequences. And that gives you sustainability over the long haul, It don't does. You and you it know, allows we... the kids to know those boundaries, which gives them sustainability. Well, they want authority. They, they may do. not like authority, but don't you think they really want yeah, in authority? In a way, deep in their hearts, they're saying thank you. That mom and dad are staying together. First yeah. of all, they want you to stay yeah. together. And secondly, there are boundaries. I know where they are, and I know where I can go with my life, and you've set them. And I'm glad you love me. And secretly, they're saying, I'm really glad that I'm not in charge. I'm really glad that I can't always have my own yeah. way. At Coach so. Smith's funeral this past week, I, I went to it along with the letterman and family and closest friends. And one of the things that really struck mm. me, and you saw it on video from another yeah. place, you, uh, unfortunately you weren't allowed to go in, there was just a small church, but um, we both were struck by the, the children who spoke about Cutch Smith, mm. how much they loved him. Yeah. So evidently he really was able to manage being this incredibly successful yeah. basketball coach, but he gave his kids that wonderful gift of time, and yeah. they spoke glowingly, lovingly, with humor about mm -hmm. how much he meant to them. I think he was able to balance it, and so he ran the race well until his That's last right. day. It was really sweet. You know, it was a tiny little church. So Coach Smith, in advance, had planned this yeah. to only let his children and his letterman be in there with him. And it was really sweet, I think, to realize, too, that he um, believed in this discipline thing like you did. You know, what was it, a player was... So he stopped recruiting a player? Yeah, there was a player in South Florida who was a great player. Uh, everybody knew who was going to play in the NBA. And, and Caroline and others began to recruit him. And Coach Smith stopped recruiting him. And mm -hmm. someone later asked him, why did you stop recruiting him? And he said, well, he said, when I visited him, I heard the way he talked to his mother. Mm -hmm. And I just didn't like it. And I didn't think he would fit into our program. So, again, another reinforcement about how important it is to have authority in your home, to respect authority. But, of course, they're saying... Glad I can't have my own way, but thank you that you do love me. Now, talk for just a minute about how to sustain yourself just as a person, David. I mean, we're pretty careful to guard our habits. We mm -hmm. take a day off. Take a day off every week, have some time together, which allows us to have that connection every week. Right. I mean, you're smart about what you eat. I mean, friends, this is a marathon. You know, it's not a mile run. So you got to, if you want to be a parent that lasts over the long haul, you make sure you're, you know, feeding yourself well and exercising. Be your, careful you just be about the sugars and the bad carb intake so and all of that. Just, yeah, just, just careful take care about of that. Um, also exercise as much as you possibly can. Get that heartbeat up. I mean, this yeah. is a long race, and yeah. this is the only body we have, and we need to make it work as rightly as possible. And you're modeling good things for your kids, too. And again, friends, this is not rocket science. And for those of you that are not parents yet or not even married, you know, I hope you will take these common sense principles. These are just simple little tips that have worked for us. But you know what? You can use these, and I have a friend that's doing this. It's single. She's using 
using these to help her kind of reach her own dreams. Yeah, I mean, these are ways you parent. You know, we, we're called to parent ourselves, too. And, and for single parents out there, yeah. these are just simple principles you can practice for your children, too. And just because they don't have a father or a mother yeah. in the home, your children can still turn out great, can't they? They can. And just remember, I think prayer is really at the heart of it. You know, I'm going to go back to that Hebrews verse again. Your children are beautiful in the sight of God. You know, don't forget that. That means every child is beautiful in the sight of God. They're extraordinary kids. And the other thing is, it is never too late. I don't care if your children are grown. I don't care if you are a great grandparent and you have a child that's still wandering. You know, it is never too late for your child to turn around and become all that God wants them to be. So pray for them. So you a know, prodigal is simply someone who's run away from home and moving in the wrong direction right. of faith. But if you have a praying parent, especially a praying mom, you know my yeah. joke, if you've got a praying mom, yeah. you're toast. So moms, Grandmoms, you pray, you keep praying because the game's not over until it's over. And right. until God says it's over, you keep praying and you're the most powerful instrument in the hands of God. Let, let's see if we can land this message, okay? Right. Um, final thoughts, grace and truth. You, you have to balance both of them. You, you operate in grace, but you also have truth, the boundaries yeah. that are set. And yeah. that's important to try to find that balance. It's difficult. But it's possible. It's always a balancing act. And again, just take heart. You know, God's in this with you. And, and if we left you with one thought, it would be that there are just great things that can happen through prayer. Yeah, and we'd also say your job as parents is not to be your kid's best mm -hmm. friend. It's to be their parent. It's to be their mom and their dad. That means you've got to oversee with some authority in their lives, and that's okay. There's a time later on, and we're seeing it happen now with our children yeah. as they've moved into adulthood. Yeah. We're becoming more and more their close, friends. close friends. Yeah. But until they leave home, you're their yeah. parent. Now, you'll always be their parent. Yeah. You'll always feel deep pain whenever they go through stuff. Right. But there's a movement that happens from parent to best friend that happens over a lifetime. That's right. Enjoy and God, that. Needs, God needs generations of children that can change this world. Okay, you got a minute. What's your final thought? Well, I'm going to remind you that God gave you these children for a reason and that you're the parent to study this child. I just pray you'll be refreshed today to walk out of these doors and start to see your child. Pray that you would see your child through God's eyes. Yeah. And when they become all that God wants them to be, the drugs and alcohol and sex become secondary because they're pursuing their dream for God, for his glory and for his kingdom's advancement. And also I would say to all of you out there today, you need a village. You really do need mm -hmm. other people to help you raise your children. Meryl right. and I have three great children. We think we're fairly good parents. We failed some. Mm -hmm. We've not been perfect by any means. We've gotten mad at them sometimes. We've said some things we shouldn't have said. Go to them and ask for forgiveness. When that happens, you've modeled forgiveness. When we've had a little tiff between us from time to time, we try to make sure the kids see us apologize mm -hmm. to one another and make up for so they'll learn how to do that in their own marriages. And that will give your kids the best chance to be all that God wants them to be. Parenting's not for cowards. It's for courageous people. But God can use you powerfully. Keep praying for your kids. Keep believing in them. Pushing them forward to being extraordinary in the kingdom of God. And you will see kids who will change the world. Marilyn, thank you for being with me. Thank All you, of you, thank you for listening. We are thank honored you. to lead you, this wonderful woman with whom I've been married. Thank you for listening. God bless you all.